0: Anyways, let's bow and ask God to open our, uh, his word to us this morning. Father, we uh, come before you today, and we ask that your presence would be here as we open your word. Lord, this is a spiritual book, and it, you teach it spiritually to us. And so, Lord, we ask that the eyes of our hearts would be open. We pray, Lord, for the illumination of our minds, Lord, that your spirit would illumine your word so that we can understand it and apply it to our lives. Lord, we, we certainly don't want to just be illuminated and think better, but Lord, we'd want to do what your word says. And so we pray, Lord, that you would equip us not only to listen, not only to understand, but also to follow through with uh, uh, what your word is calling us to do. So Father, I pray that you would anoint me, that I might speak your word in power and in truth, for we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Well, you know, if you come to our house, uh, one of the things that you might notice, especially if you're from a really noisy home, that our house is really quiet. I know there's like teenagers in the house and, and musicians, and, and yet it's kind of mellow in our house. Nobody ever, ever yells at anybody in our house. Oh, once in a while, the voice gets raised a little bit. And what happens when the voice gets raised a little bit, everyone goes like, "What's with you?" dude, you know, like, chill out, and and it doesn't take long, whoever raised their voice is like, oh, sorry about that, I got a little carried away, you know, and, and that's the way our family runs, and you know, I experienced that when I was a kid too, because that's the way my family ran, ran when I was young, and, and in fact, my, da- my dad would discipline us, if we ever got in a fight, didn't matter who started it, didn't matter who got hurt the most, didn't matter whose stuff got wrecked the most, Everybody involved in the fight got sent to the room <laughs> for a timeout. And that's just the way it was. So we pretty quickly learned that, you know, if you're going to fight, fight quiet. <laughs> you know? so, uh, so that's what my family was. But, and, and so I have, one, I have two sisters. And one sister was chill, chill and mellow, just like me. But my other sister, my older sister, was cut from a different cloth she was a live wire. I mean, she was going places and doing stuff and always butting heads with my dad. I mean, boom, boom, boom all the time. And, uh, but she was, she, she was always on the go. We called her high strung. Today, they probably have a lot of other words with, you know, lots of letters that describe what she was but back then we didn't have diagnosis for whatever she was I don't know we just called her high strung she was always flying high as a kite and uh, just doing stuff and and you know like she couldn't wait to get out of the home so in her late teens she was just boom I'm out of here a little bit of rebellion yeah but mostly I just want to get going and explore life and uh, so she was just Always like that. And you know, it kind of caught up with her a little bit. Um, and just, to just, just so you get the idea of who she is, she was walking just a few, about well, two years ago, she's walking through this drugstore. Now, she never goes to see the doctor because, well, she's been indoctrinated by my dad a little bit. You know, the medical profession is, you know. Problems. But, anyways, that's, that was his big thing. He was very into holistic foods. And so, my sister didn't, you know, she was very healthy and she didn't go to the doctor very often. But she's walking through this drugstore and she sees one of these little uh, machines that check your, your uh, blood pressure, right? And she, she goes, Oh, maybe I should check my blood pressure. I haven't had that done in decades. So, she goes to the machine, wraps the thing around her arm, and, you know, presses a little button and starts pumping, you know. And, and the the little ga- the, the pressure starts going up, right? And it goes up into the um, you know, pre-hypertension area. And she's like, oh, that's not good. And then, and then it passes the pre-hypertension area and goes up into the hypertension phase one area and it goes a little higher. And then it keeps going up and it goes into the hypertension uh, phase two area. And uh, well, that's as many areas as there are. And it just keeps going up and it just goes right past the end of the scale into who knows where, or how high, right? And uh, she's like, well, this stupid machine's a piece of junk. doesn't work, obviously. And, and she calls the pharmacist over. Is this machine working? And the pharmacist says, oh, yeah, it works. And she said, I don't think it's working. It just just sent my my scale right off the record. And the pharmacist comes over, and she puts the thing on her own arm, on the pharmacist's arm. And she, she pushes a little button, and it pumps up, and it just goes to normal. She goes, no, the machine's working fine. She puts it back on my sister and, uh, you know, turns it on. And she's watching this thing go up, and the pharmacist is going, oh, my goodness oh my goodness, are you okay? okay? I better go call the ambulance. She's looking at my sister like she's she's the walking dead. And she goes right, here's the scale that they used. I think it's on this screen. Next slide. No scale, it's Ephesians. (laughs) There we go, okay? So uh, 190 over 100, man, you're almost dead. My sister was 210 over 120. <laughs> like, and the pharmacist wanted to rush her to the hospital instantly. And she says, you're going to die of, of something right now. You're going to have a brain aneurysm. You're going to whatever. You're gonna, you know, it's basically you're going to explode. And my sister's like, I'm fine. You know, she'd she gotten used to it. Because she lived in hypertension, hyperdrive, all the time. And you should have seen her with with her daughter's uh, plays and skits and their music. And, oh, my goodness, always flying. And, uh, you know, hypertension, we called her high-strung. <laughs> the two were together. And it's like she's just wound up. She's always been like that. And, uh, you know... I want you to imagine for a minute just what it was like when my older sister, when she was 13 years old, she was tall, six feet tall at, at age 12, so taller than everybody, when she would come home from a track meet where she won the 100-yard dash, where she won the high jump just because she was the biggest, tallest kid around, you know, and she was good, and uh, and she would come in, she would come bursting through the door with so so much excitement, and she would just be yelling, you know, she'd just be going through, you know, like, what the coaches said, what her friends said, how long she jumped in the long jump, and how high she jumped in the high jump, and how fast she went on the track, and all the different people that were competing, and all the different schools, and she'd talk about her coach, and she'd talk about this and that, and the next thing, and she would do, she would summarize the entire day in five minutes, just... Like a machine gun, just blasting through, and we'd all be like, "Whoa, chill, whoa!" You know. But she was so pumped up, and so when I get to when I get to Ephesians chapter one, verse one to fifteen, I kind of feel like my sister should be here reading this, because that's how I feel like Paul is putting it out there. It's just amazing uh, what what it says here and how it's 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 like on steroids, the little passage. It's just like, whoa. So I'm gonna try to read it like maybe my sister would read it or like Paul uh, attempted it. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for the adoption to, to sonship, that Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he freely gave us in the one he loves. And predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything according to his will. Oh, I got to breathe, <laughs> in order that we who were first to put our hope in Christ might be for His the praise of His glory, and you who were included in Christ when you heard the me- message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed, you were marked in Him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Oh, I love that passage. It's just like... Whoa! And I'm sure that my sister would pump it out even faster if she was really excited about it and uh, put me to shame there. But uh, Paul, I think sometimes, was almost like he was on steroids. Just, And this is written like so incredible. And I, I almost feel like... Like, it's, it's one of those shows where there's a shootout, you know? And there's like the, the, the cops over here and the robbers over here and everybody's got automatic weapons and they're just blasting bullets everywhere and it's just a crazy mess that only lasts 30 seconds. You know, and then the forensic team comes along and they're picking up every shell and every casing and looking through it and trying to figure out, okay, where was this guy standing and how did he come out of the bank and where were the cops? And for about, you know, about 30 hours, they're just scouring the whole place trying to figure out what happened. And then for the next 30 days, they're going through all the stuff, trying to piece it all back together. What does that 30 minutes look like? And so that, that's kind of like what our job is today. We're going to take this this passage of scripture where, where Paul's just blasting all these great truths like like a machine gun fire, and we're going to try to put it together so that we can understand it. Unfortunately, I don't have thirty days; we only got thirty minutes. But uh, we'll see how far we do well, how we do, and we'll just kind of dig through it and pull it apart. Um, you know what I what I kind of see this passage as is 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 you know have you ever heard seen uh, Mark Mercer, Mike, no, Mercer, Rick, Rick Mercer, <laughs> that's the guy's name, you ever seen him do a rant? It's, it's kind of like that, but this is a positive rant. It's like a rave. He's just raving about all the good things, you know. I think Mark probably is raving about his sons and how well they did at quizzing yesterday. Did you hear about that? They they play, placed uh, in the B division. They placed first and third, uh, the two teams. And um, you know, and, and and I feel like raving about my family when I see them up here playing, uh, you know, all the instruments up here. And I, sorry, just a little boast, but I have nothing to do with it really. <laughs> uh but you know we want to rave about the good things like a grandmother raving about her grandkids and so paul is just raving about god he's just saying god is amazing and so he just blows through this passage like crazy um <clears throat> and so paul is raving about how great god is god is and so praise automatically wells up uh to god from him, and so the, the first two slides I'm, I'm gonna see. Oh, they already got them up there, so um, I hope you can see that small. It's as small as I can make it. The two screens are gonna be different most of the sermon, so that. Uh, but I want you to see the whole passage at once because it's really cool how different things Paul puts in there, and so that's how we're gonna unpack it. We're gonna look at the whole scene as one big scene and see what Paul is jamming into there. And so the first thing we're noticing is that he's praise be to the god and father of the lord jesus christ it's cool it starts with praising god look at the last line to the praise of his glory and then in between he's got these little praise for his glorious grace and praise uh him for his glory and there's this this unity to it it's a beautiful thing you start with the the, the praise be to the god and father that's god the father right then when you get down into, into verse uh, 13 over here, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And in between, what's he talking about? All the things we have in Christ. The Trinity is all wrapped up in this passage. I, I don't know how Paul got all this stuff into this passage. And even the Trinity is jammed in there. It's, it's really cool. It's amazing. Um, excuse me a sec. So he's praising God, the Father, for all these things because he chose us, because we, he called us to be holy and blameless, because he predestined us for adoption as sons. He did all these things. Why? Well, for the praise of his glorious grace. And he did all this other stuff for the praise of his glory. And finally, he says, to the praise of his glory again. And so essentially, this whole passage is an outpouring of praise to God. But he's very specific about it. Why should we praise him? Well, he gets right to it in verse 3. Next slide, please. He said, we praise God because he has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. Now, this is almost like a title for his His rant. It's like, I'm going to talk about all the spiritual blessings that we have, and uh, and so I'm just going to Lay them all out, and so this is a title for for the whole passage and these spiritual blessings are in god they 're in the Father, God has given to them us uh, securely uh, by uh, his grace and so um, we 're just going to kind of go through what he 's done for us real quickly. The first thing he says um, is he chose us verse four: He chose us in him now have you ever How many of you have had the experience of, uh, you know, uh, going out to the the field during recess and whether you're playing soccer or baseball, uh, you choose two captains and the captains go along and they start choosing people, right? Have you had that experience? Okay, yeah. How many of you have been chosen last? All right. I feel at home in this crowd. (laughs) I do, I've been chosen last many times and not the real athletic type. Um, and it sucks. Everybody wants to be chosen first. You know, everybody wants to be important. And you know what? God chose you. If you're a believer today, God chose you. And He wants you to feel good about that because of all the people in the world, He chose this small little group of Canadians to be His chosen ones. And most of them are in church today on Sunday morning, but it's a very small percentage of Canada. And God chose us. And, you know, God's choice is is sovereign. And Sometimes we struggle with God's choice. So why did he choose me? Why didn't he choose those other people? And, um, you know, we have a a family here that uh, went to a a poor nation and chose some children to be their children. And those children are now blessed with, with a home uh, three square meals a day, uh, a possibility of education, a wonderful loving family, all things that may, they may not have gotten in their, their uh, home of origin, and a great chance at life. And that's kind of like, but, but you know, that family didn't choose all of the children in that country. They just chose a few. And God has chosen us. And sometimes we wonder, well, why didn't God chose everyone? He is all-powerful. Why didn't he? I don't know, okay? So don't ask me. I don't know. I don't know everything. But I believe that God is sovereign, and in his sovereignty, there are reasons. And Paul tries to describe some of those reasons in, in, in Romans, and he actually says, what if God did it for this reason? What if he did it for that reason? But Paul actually doesn't put God in a box. He doesn't actually say the reason why God chose some and didn't chose all. Uh, And so we're we're left with the mystery. If Paul didn't know, eh, not much chance, uh, you know, theologian Bill here uh, is going to figure it out, you know, because uh, God just hasn't revealed it to us why he did that. And so sometimes you can just bang your head against that as long as you want, but it's not going to move. You're not going to figure it out. And so sometimes you just got to drop it and say, okay, well, God, God knows more than I do. I'm okay with that. Next thing it says that he not only chose us, he didn't just elect us to be his children, but he predestined us. <clears throat> it's not it's not just picked, but destiny awaits. It's almost like somebody is seeing into the future and knows what you will be, and so he has destined you for that place. And and you know what's interesting about this is that he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his will. Um, oh, sorry, sorry I, I read the wrong piece. I was talking about still uh, that this choice was made when? When we became good enough? Yeah, before. And you know, all through the Bible, you see that God chooses before. And, and we're going to get into that a little later on. I'm, I'm just trying to do a, rough, a quick run through. Um, but you know... God chooses who he wants us to be before we are. Remember last week, we talked about the fact that, uh, you know, it, it said the letter was written to the, the saints, the holy saints in Ephesus. And, and sometimes God calls us what we will be now. And says, you know, he said, to remember he said to Gideon, thou great mighty warrior, the Lord is with you. And Gideon's like, what are you talking about? Because God was looking into the future. what He was, ordain, he was ordaining what, what Gideon would be. And so it is with us. God predetermined that you would be a Christian, that you would be called to, to be in his home in glory, and that you would be called to be at his side. And, you know, it's interesting. When you become a pastor, um, we go through these things, and Josh is in the middle of this process, and he's working on becoming ordained, Right? Well, what does the word ordained mean? It means that God foresaw it and put it into place. It means that God has chosen him to be a pastor. So when I got ordained, my fellow pastors, they're all like, okay, now you're part of this, and you're going to... And, and I can't, I'll i never forget the day I got ordained, and the district superintendent came to our church, and he said to me, and he gave me this big charge about you know preaching properly and doing stuff right, and uh, and then he said something I'll never forget it. And you're ordained to the ministry for the rest of your life. And I went, hold it a sec. Who ever said anything about the rest of my life? <laughs> you know, like I thought I, I I could choose. You know, whether I wanted to continue on being a minister or not. Or uh, and I was like in shock. I was like, that came out of left field. But really. I understand it when god calls us he calls us for life he calls us into ministry he calls us into being something that he has designed for us to be and god sees that person that he wants us to be he sees it ahead of time and he ordains that it would be so and so god has a plan for you he has a design for your life and he has ordained that you behave a certain way um and we're gonna i'm gonna carry on uh he's also called us into adoption of sonship what an awesome thing it's not just that that we're his friends or or he's chosen us to be he's chosen us and then adopted us into his family so that picture i was sharing about the family that that brought some kids from a from a poor nation that's actually very accurate that's what god did he put us in his family and um and then it talks about his glorious grace that he freely gives us. You know, I'm a wicked man. I do not deserve God's forgiveness. God has forgiven me countless times, and I'm embarrassed. I would be embarrassed to share with you what God has forgiven me of. And, um, and it just blows me away. And when I see this grace, and when I hear God's, God's mercy is new every morning... I just cling on to that sometimes when I've blown it, when I've messed up something, and I'm just embarrassed, and I go, oh, thank you, Lord. Redemption through his blood. What an awesome thing. God has redeemed us. He bought us. He paid for us. By the blood of Christ, he purchased us. Forgiveness of sins. Well, that goes along with grace, doesn't it? Awesome things, hand in hand. This is a really cool one. He made known to us the mystery of his will. Where is that? nine thank you he's made known to us is there another slide go to the next slide i think it's there yes there it is i was i was looking for the green bold. you know (laughs) he's made known to us the mystery of his will and we're going to talk about god's will in just a bit because this whole passage is laced with god's will um And we've heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. We're marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. I love this part. Uh, I think it's over here. I think you're on the wrong slide. I I know it's really confusing. I I gave them two full power, poor people at the back. Pray for them. (laughs) They do an amazing job. And I overloaded them today. But uh, I think they're keeping up. So that's awesome. Uh, marked with him in him with the seal the promised Holy Spirit you know this is really cool this is like have you ever uh, sold a car I've, I've sold a bunch of cars in my life and what people do is they'll come along and they'll say well uh, I, I want to buy the car um, and, and but I, I, I don't have the money with me right now can you hold it for me and I've fallen into the trap where I said sure bad mistake okay because you never see them again okay so i always say well i'll hold it for you if you give me a deposit and i got to make the deposit worthwhile because they found out 20 bucks doesn't cut it some guy just never came back and so I'm stuck with the car. So I make it, you know, like a couple hundred bucks, 300 bucks, something reasonable. And I say, no, you got to give me a deposit so that I, so I guarantee that you're going to come back and buy the car. Because uh, if there's someone else comes along and offers me the same amount of money you're offering, I'd rather sell it to them. You know, I sell it to the first buyer. And uh, so a lot of times I'll, I'll get the deposit and the deposit guarantees that they'll come back and finish the deal. And so it is with Christ. Uh, he has sent his Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. Now we know that the Holy Spirit of God can only dwell in those who have been cleansed of their sins because God cannot, cannot be in a sinful being. And so God only gives his Holy Spirit to those who have been cleansed. Now you might say, well, I've been cleansed, but I still sin. Yeah, but Christ's cleansing covers the sin that you're still involved with or whatever's going on. Confess it and allow God's spirit to dwell. We can quench God's spirit. We can crush God's spirit. And when we sin a lot in our life, we are crushing his spirit. But the person who doesn't know Jesus Christ, who's never accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior, doesn't have the spirit of God in them to crush <laughs> or to whatever for any reason. The spirit of God's not in him. It's only those Who have confessed that they were sinners, recognized that they were not good enough to make it into God's presence, they're the ones who accept that Jesus died on their cross for their sins. They're the ones that God puts his spirit in. And when we get that spirit in us, it manifests itself in us. You know, I'll never forget the guy, I've told you this many times, but it's a great story. I mean, this guy, he, he met the Lord in prison and he, I was counseling him, and his, he had a foul mouth all the time. And then one day, when I was talking with him, he said, I'm so frustrated that I'm swearing all the time. Before I was a Christian, I didn't even know I was swearing. And now it bothers me all the time. And I'm like, yeah, the Holy Spirit's in you. <laughs> you got infected by the Spirit of God. <laughs> and the Spirit of God doesn't like that swearing stuff. And, uh, you know, that's what's happening. And so God changes us. And so when we notice that we're bothered by sin, go, hallelujah, I got the guarantee. <laughs> I got the spirit in me. When, when you experience the, the power of God to say no to a sin, you got the power of God in you. Hallelujah. You got the guarantee. When you notice that God is enabling you to speak in tongues or to, to do a miracle of some sort or or to preach or whatever that goes beyond your personal ability, you go, Praise God, I got the guarantee. I'm on my way to heaven. I know the Spirit of God's in me. And this is what it's all about. If this if you look at your life and you kind of go like, well, I accepted Christ as my savior but nothing seems to be happening, then the guarantee is, you know, it's like 20 bucks. Like, it's, it's not really, you know, anything to hang your hopes on. And I think maybe you need to deepen your walk with Christ. You need to go deeper. You need to desire more of the Spirit of God so that he will manifest himself in you and through you and in your ministry or whatever so that you can go, yeah, <laughs> phew, <sighs> I do have the Spirit of God after all. Uh, You know, when, when when you go to a house and the lights are never on, maybe they don't have electricity. You know? So we need to check ourselves. And if you have no experience of the Holy Spirit... If, if you can't figure out, well, what's this deposit they're talking about? I don't see anything. I don't feel anything. I don't experience anything. Maybe you need to go deeper and call out in desperation for God, that God would open up and give his spirit to you in, an, in a way that you can experience. Because what's a deposit that you can't experience or you don't know it's there? It's kind of a useless deposit. But when you get a deposit that you know and you can see and you can experience, then you kind of go like, oh yeah, Yeah, that that makes me feel comfortable. And so I just call out to you because I know there are people in this room who feel like, man, I I don't really, I haven't really experienced that deposit. I, I, I really, I don't know the Spirit's working in my life. And I would call out to you to seek God with all your heart. You see, the Bible is very clear. And God says to us, if you seek me with all your heart, I will be found of you. That is an awesome promise. And so if you're not experiencing the Holy Spirit, then seek God. I'm telling you, when I was a young man, I came... uh, Actually, I still go forward to almost every altar call. why why do i do that you know i've been a pastor for x number of years i mean you think that my spiritual life was okay it's not that great uh and so i'm longing for that touch the fresh touch from god all the time and so i just i just beg with you do it seek god with all your heart and um, the reason i go forward at altar calls probably so much is because i don't do it enough maybe in my my alone time i don't know but I'm just telling you, you got to seek God. And when you do, <laughs> he'll meet you. He will definitely meet you. I have experience in that. It's an amazing thing. So, the seal. Don't forget about the seal. And then I left this one for last for a purpose, and it's, it's actually up you were also included in Christ. So so these are the things that he's done for us. He's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual gift. He chose us. He predestined us. He adopted us as sons. His glorious grace, he's freely given us. He's redeemed us. He's forgiven us our sins. He'd made known the mysteries of his will. He chose us again. He predestined us again. Uh, We heard the message of truth, the gospel. He marked us with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, the deposit, guaranteeing and he included us in Christ. I love it when we do baptisms here, because what we say to the baptism candidates were you were included when Christ died on the cross. You died. When Christ was buried in the ground, you were buried. And when Christ rose from the dead, you rose from the dead, and you have a new life and you're living it for God with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what the Christian life is all about. And so we we are in Christ. We experience His righteousness because we're in Him, and it's it's an amazing thing. I, I want to tell you a story about a long time ago. There was this man who really wanted to get to America, and uh, but he didn't have enough money for the steamship passage, and so he worked really hard to get the funding so that he could buy a ticket to get on the steamship that was going to America. And finally, he raised enough money, and he just, by, by not eating very well and just scrimping by, living in a little shack and working to his fingers to the bone, he finally got together enough money, and he bought a ticket on a transatlantic cruiser, a steamship or whatever it was, I don't know what it was at the time, and he got a ticket. And then, so for the next couple of weeks before the the ship left, he worked super hard so that he could get an, enough food to buy to, money to buy some food. And he put together a little package of food. He got he got basically thought, you know, okay, I, got, I need about two weeks. That's how long it takes. And so he. He figured out, you know what, the cheapest way to go is to buy crackers and cheese. So he bought a couple of boxes of crackers and a block of cheese, and he stuck it in his bag. And then it's like, all right, I'm ready to go. And the day came, and he got on the steam liner, and he was enjoying it, and his beautiful view. And he would go to his room and eat crackers, and, and, and he watched. All the people on the ship seemed to be eating in the, in the dining room. They were just having a blast eating all this rich and luxurious food and and he was just like, oh man, and well, uh, oh, I, I got zero money, so I just got to do eat do with the the crackers. And, w- and one day, a, a friend that he made on, on the the cruise ship, or whatever they call those things back then, uh, he said to him, "Oh, hey, why don't you come join us at our table tonight?" And uh, he made some lame excuse, you know, that he, he, he wouldn't join them. And uh, because he wanted to hide the fact that he was broke and couldn't afford to buy any, any dinner. And, uh, and so he would go to his room. And, and uh, day after day, these friends kept inviting him to their, their table. And day after day, he'd make some other excuse. And finally, the friends are going like, we're going to follow him. We're going to find out what he's doing during dinner hour, you know, because they're like curious. What, where's this guy going all the time? And they found him in his room. And they're like, dude, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, sorry, I didn't want you guys to know I didn't have any money. Uh, and they're like, dude, the, the buffet dinner every night is included in the ticket. <laughs> the food's all inclusive. What are you doing? And, and, you know, that's like a lot of Christians today. They don't realize they have all this stuff. They don't realize that they have access to the power of the Holy Spirit, that he's a deposit, that he's been given to empower you to live a life that is free from sin. They don't realize that he's been given so that you can have a ministry that is effective. And maybe you've been teaching Sunday school for 49 years and no one's ever come to Christ and nobody seems to grow. Maybe you need a little juice up by the Holy Spirit and stop eating crackers and cheese. You know? You need the whole package. And we get the whole package when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. And we don't have to be paupers any longer. We get the whole thing. It's amazing. It's awesome. No wonder Paul's so excited about it. It comes with the ticket, it comes with through Christ's death. And in fact, that's what's so amazing about this passage. Is that the whole thing? It's, it's not just right here included in Christ. Have you noticed through the whole passage? It says in Christ over and over. Look at the next slide. Check this out. This one, too. Yeah. Look at that. In Christ, we have spiritual blessings. He chose us in Christ. It, we're adopted to sonship through Christ. It's, uh, he's given these, these glorious pra- grace. In the one he loves. In him we have redemption. It's through his blood that we have redemption. Down in verse 9, he's it's, it's, it's made his, his will known to us in Christ. It's, I mean, you get it? <laughs> Everything is in Christ. None of these blessings... You know, it's like Christ is the steam liner. You know? It's like he's got the whole package for us. And it's only in relationship with Christ... That all of these things are available to us. So guess what? If we start acting like we're not in Christ, if we start just living our life with no correlation to Christ, can we experience these things? Can we experience these blessings? No, we cannot. They are in Christ. Jesus said very clearly in in John 15, um, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will bear even more fruit. Yeah, pruning is a royal pain. And God goes around and he snips little things out of our life. And we're like, hey, I needed that. And he's like, no, you didn't. And uh, and he brings pain and suffering into our life. And, and we say, well, I don't need that. And he goes, yes, you do. <laughs> And it's not a lot of fun all the time, but it, there is a greatness to it. You are already clean because, oh, am I doing the right passage here? Yeah. Uh, you're already clean because the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I remain in you. You see, we have to be in Christ and Christ in us for us to have, be a productive Christian life. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. This is what I was talking about. If you have a ministry that's, you know, not going anywhere, maybe you're not in Christ where all the blessing is. Maybe you're not in Christ where the Holy Spirit's power is. Maybe that's the problem, that you're you're not walking with him. And Jesus says it's up to us to remain in him. That's an active word, remaining. It's like, you know, uh, if you're waiting for the bus, remain at the bus stop. If you walk away for a minute, the bus might come and oops, you know, you missed it. And so we need to remain in Christ and it's an action word of doing nothing really. It's just sitting there relying on God. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. My dad used to have this big vine in his greenhouse. And you know the greenhouse was about the size of one half of our church here. That's how big it was. And this vine, it was a little vine about this big, one vine, and it grew. And he would snip it back, and he it would grow, and he would snip it back every year. He snipped it back, and every year it grew. And near by the time he sold that property, that crazy vine covered half the greenhouse, and it gave like, like hundreds and hundreds of pounds of grapes. It was amazing. <laughs> And it's just one vine. Now, if you cut one of those branches off, when you do the pruning or whatever, that branch just withers up and dies. And so if you don't stay grafted into that branch. So it was weird because people would come in and they'd go, whoa, look at all these grapevines!" And my dad's, no, no, no. There's one vine. <laughs> and these are just branches. And then my dad would tell them the story of this, you know. <laughs> so um, uh, let's read it. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish. And Jesus, particularly in other places, said, ask for the Holy Spirit. Will not God, the good Father, give good gifts to his children? Therefore, he'll give the Holy Spirit to you if you ask him. And so, if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you now you might say well well i wish for a porsche Uh, i i wish for you know a million dollars and the thing is when you're remaining in christ his goals his objective becomes your goals and your objectives and you won't be asking for a porsche you'll be asking for uh disciples You'll be asking for fruit in your ministry. You'll be asking for changed lives. These are the things you'll be asking for, and he'll give it to you because you're remaining in the vine. And these things will happen as you remain in the vine. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing you to be my disciples. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's produce fruit. That's what we are designed for. The whole passage is about spiritual gifts that we've been blessed with in the heavenly realms. But honestly, the passage is about God himself. And I want to show you this again, this, this whole method that we've been using. Look look, look at the, the words for God in this passage. <laughs> and the pronouns for God. It's 36 different times. God is... Uh, th- 38, I think I counted. I, I can't remember. You count them. Anyways, there's a lot. I mean, God is laced throughout this whole passage, just over and over, he's referenced. This passage, yes, it's about spiritual things that we've been given, but this passage is about God. It's about the giver of the gifts, it's about the giver of the package, the good stuff that we get. God, and that's why it starts with praise and ends with praise and praise is all through the middle. It's because this is about what God does for us. And that's the other cool thing. Next slide. It's not just God doing it. It's God doing it for us. Can you see the red? I hope so. There's some red. he uses our Lord, us, 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 sonship. That's who we are. We are the sons. And we he uses. And he uses the word you in verse 13. I don't know why in verse 13 all of a sudden it's you, you, you. Anyways, (laughs) these are the things that God is doing for us. This passage is all about God's relationship with us and how much he wants to bless us, how much he wants to do for us. Oh, boy, there's so much in this passage. It's, it's unbelievable. I'm just going to talk about one more thing in this passage, and then I'm going to wrap it up. And that is, uh, in verse 1, it actually starts with, with uh, Paul says, Paul, an apost- apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. And what Paul was saying is that every part of his life Had something to do with God's will. And if you look through these passages that are up on the screen right now, you notice that they're all referring to God's will. And that the whole plan of salvation, the whole God has a plan. He's he's a designer. And he's designed things to go a certain way. And so um, it's it's we get we get adopted into God's family by whose choice? our choice uh no according to this it's his according to his pleasure and will uh and he's made known to us the mystery of his will i love this passage which he purposed in christ you know what i what i did with this whole passage um oh man Oh, I got so much to share. Uh, uh, first of all, I just want to say it's a plan of God's. God has this fantastic plan, and He planned it when, before He started creation, and before He saw, started creation, He went, oh, I think I think I want Mark and Alan and Jennifer and Aaron and Kendall and well, well, hopefully all of you. <laughs> uh, I want these people in my kingdom." And so he had this wonderful plan. Look, look what the Bible says about God's plan. I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. Did you know that God had a plan to give you a full life? That was his plan. The Bible says um, that I, I, I know I have plans for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. This is in the middle of Jeremiah, in the middle of exile of the, of the children of Israel, in the middle of defeat and disaster. And Jeremiah says, I have a plan. God says through Jeremiah, I have a plan, a plan not to harm you, but to help you. And sometimes when we're in the middle of a mess, it doesn't feel like God's plan is working out so well. God, where's this wonderful plan for my life? You know, Um, but God's doing some stuff he's got to do in your life. And so the plan will come to fruition. I love the next passage, uh, Romans chapter 7. Chapter 8, yes, chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. What an amazing passage. How in the world does God do that? I don't know. That's beyond my understanding. That's beyond my knowledge. Um, But God somehow has his fingers in everything. We call it God's sovereign will. In other words, God is controlling all the big stuff in the world, and he's controlling it all and we don't really understand and i'm going to get into this this is my last thing i want to talk about today because i wanted to talk about destiny last week and i i said today's sermon was called destiny as well and here i still haven't gotten to the the predestination stuff i want to talk about it so just bear with me for a couple minutes and then we'll be done um so in in romans verse 28 and 29 it says for those god foreknew that's talking about God seeing us way before the earth began. He also predestined, he chose us, he, 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 we call this election, theologians call it election. He elected us to be, um, what does he say, to be conformed to the image of his son. He elected us to be Christians. He predestined, it was determined ahead of time. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Now, there's a sense in the Bible that all of those, that God is sovereign over all and that God has his finger in every pie and he's working it all for his glory. But there's an even stronger sense in the Bible that God has particularly chosen and predetermined that some people will be. Christians, and he will give his Holy Spirit to those people, and they will be converted. And, and so even in our passage, let's go to the next slides. Um, yeah, so chose, predestined, chosen, predestined. These words are in our passage. The whole thing is about God's will. Now, do you see what the problem is? I mean, it's, it should be self-evident. I, any, any thinking person goes, well, hold it a sec. I thought I was supposed to choose God. I thought, you know, like, uh, you know, when, when Billy Graham, Graham gives the altar call, and Lord Jesus, I come, not one, one bit of sin do I leave untouched, but I'm coming to You, Jesus. Isn't that what we do with our own free choice? Don't we have a choice in the matter? Does God just dictate who get, you know, like who's going to come forward at the Billy Graham Crusade and who isn't, and how does this work? Well, I got an answer for you, but you won't like it. I don't know. <laughs> told you you wouldn't like it. (laughs) But I'll try to explain it as best I can with as little theologianese as possible, okay? I'm just going to try. Okay, so first of all, the Bible clearly talks about election. It clearly talks about predestination. But it also clearly talks that if you don't repent you will be judged according to your sins. If you don't ask for Christ into your heart as your Savior, you will be judged for all of your sin that you ever did and that uh, you have a choice to make. And, and Joshua said, I choose you this day whom you will serve. Will you serve the Lord or will you serve yourself? Who are you going to serve? Are you going to serve the Baals? you going to serve them? I mean, all through the Bible, you can't get away from it. We have a choice to make. Are we going to follow God or are we going to go our own way? And you can't say that the whole Bible is wrong on this thing. And like, oh, no, no, God makes all the choices. All those passages, they don't really count. Are you kidding me? Of course they count. So how in the world does this fit together? Well, the reason I say I don't know is because of this. Um, Am I as smart as God? No. No. (laughs) nothing against me personally thank you but no i'm not as smart as god are you as smart as god do you know everything there is to know no we don't know these things so god reveals that somehow from his it's like a coin from his side of the coin he understands what he's doing who he's chosen and who he hasn't chosen okay but on the other side of the coin we don't get to see that part that part's you know like we don't know is there a head of the queen is there a moose what's, I don't know what's on the other side of the coin I, I don't know what God has planned right but we're on this side and for us for every every all intensive person it's completely free will I I have to choose God or I'm da- I'm damned and if I don't choose God I, I don't make it How do those two sides of the coin work together I'm not God I do not know Okay but all I get to see is my side of the coin. And you know, sometimes people get their sides of the coin mixed up. Yeah, William Carey was he's the founder of modern missions and he was passionate and he thought, well, we got to go win the lost because they're damned. They don't know Christ, they don't know salvation, they don't, they've never heard the gospel. So we got to take the gospel to them so that at least they have a chance of getting in. And his mentor who I actually asked him to ask the question. Uh, his mentor said, uh, young man, sit down. When God chooses to, to convert the heathen, he will do so without your help or mine. <laughs> Famous line, because it's absolutely the wrong thing. Because he was looking at the wrong side of the coin. He was pretending that he knew what was on God's side of the coin. We don't know what's on God's side of the coin. All we know is that God has said to us to go into all the world and, and bring the gospel. You know, make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I'll be with you to the end of the age. He's told us to go. He's told us that people need to repent. He's told us to preach the gospel. He's told us our side of the coin. And how we understand it. So when I heard this whole coin thing in way back in, in seminary, I was like, Ah, oh, okay, that makes sense. I don't, I don't need to try to figure it out. I'm not God. I can't figure it out. I'll just let God have his side of the coin. I'll concentrate on my side of the coin. And I will work for God. And that's what God has called me to do. That doesn't negate the fact that election Pre, um, predestination, that he has chosen people. It doesn't negate that, but I don't have to worry about it because it's really none of my business Who whom God has chosen and who he hasn't co- chosen. I know that he has chosen me and you to get the message out there. So let's deal with that rather than worrying about the stuff that really we don't know. And And I mean, oh, I didn't bring my book up here, but <laughs> I was going to read right from the the theology textbook, you know, about uh, predestination stuff. But um, anyways, I'm going to carry on. Because I think some some illustrations of what it, what it looks like. One, one of the things I want to mention just before I close. How many times have I said I'm about to close, eh? Oh, man. Sorry. But um, one of the things that we're taught in Bible college to do is take a passage like this and break it down. And so... If you, if you read through this passage, you'll see that every time he states something, then there's a whole bunch of other stuff that sort of fall under that category. So he chose us in him. Well, he chose us how? In him. And when? Well, before the creation of the world. And, and why? Well, to be holy and be blameless. So all these things are like categories underneath. And then in love, he predestined us. So it's almost like there's another section here. For us, the adoption of sonship. So that's one thing that he predestined us to. And it's in accordance to his will and pl- pleasure and, and to the praise of his glory. I was going to have us all up on the screen, but the screens aren't big enough. I need a lot bigger screens. Anyways, Matt, can we get bigger screens? Oh, no. <laughs> um, and so what, what I discovered when I did that, I, I plotted the whole thing. And it takes up like a, a huge page in my on my computer and what i noticed that every main point was about the will of god that it was god like the whole passage actually is about god's choice god's predestination god doing things and one of those main points after i plotted this whole thing is that he made known to us the mystery of his will isn't that awesome God has made known to you the mystery of his will. I often find that God's will is a mystery. Like I don't know whether God wanted me to, to marry a Jennifer, a certain Jennifer, uh thirty some odd years ago. <laughs> I didn't know if that was God. I didn't know whether God was calling me to come to Eastgate Alliance Church. I didn't know whether he was calling me to Maple Ridge Alliance Church. I didn't know all these things. I didn't know whether he wanted me to buy that house or this house or the next house or all these questions. But the Bible says that he's made known the mystery of our, his will. And the Bible says that, that um, if we offer our lives as living sacrifices and, and uh, be transformed by the renewing of our minds, um, that then we will know what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And remember that whole in Christ thing? If we are in Christ, if we are deep in Christ, he will keep us walking on the, on, in his will. And I love my life because I don't have to worry about being in God's will. All I have to be worry about is being in Christ. If I'm in Christ, I'll be in his will. And he'll decide whether I build buildings or preach pre- sermons or whatever I do, buy houses, marry people. Uh, well, hopefully no one else. But, <laughs> but he will look after all that stuff. All I got to do is concentrate on being in him. And so young men, young women... Looking for a wife or a husband? Just concentrate on being in Christ. And God will figure out His will for your life. You know, the cool thing is that because this whole passage is about how God has predestined everything and how He's involved in everything and it's His will going on, He makes His will known to us so He's inviting you into the plan. He has a plan and He's inviting you to be in sync with that plan. Sometimes we get out of sync with the plan. I remember when we were building uh, the church over here, the Mandarin wing. And I remember that everything was going tickety-boo, everything's going to get working together. And then we we hired this company to to install the furnaces. And I'm telling you, they did not know what the plan was. And they were not jiving with the plan. I, I don't know what was going on. I mean, I'm not an engineer, but I'm not a dummy either. And I could tell that they weren't doing it right. I'm just like, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not a, a, a duct work guy, but I could tell like what they were doing was not right. <laughs> so anyways, we had many discussions. They were arguments really. But this one, one time, we had, we had this guy named Dave. So we I would argue with this company all the time. And finally, one day they came to me and said, you know, well, we're not supposed to be paid for cutting holes in the walls for our pipes to go through. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Since when is it the contractor's job to cut holes in the wall so you can put a pipe through? You know, like I, don't, I was just like, oh man. So they said, well, can we, can we use Dave, your hired guy? And I said, sure. Just, you know, I was done. I was fed up. And so, so they explained to him what they wanted, except that they didn't explain it very well. And so Dave wasn't in with the plan. And so he took his big saw that they gave him and he cut this huge hole in the back of the church right through the siding and everything. There was supposed to be a hole about this big and he just cut this massive hole through all the siding and I'm just like, we just paid thousands of dollars to have that siding installed and you just cut it in half. I was just like, what? And I'm telling you this because if you're not in sync with God's plan, You're going to mess up your life. You're going to cut through the wrong wall and you're going to do something disastrous. But if you're walking with God's plan, it's going to all go together. So, the best, one of the other ways I I understand predestination and, and God's plan and free will and all this stuff is kind of like when I have a plan, I get these plans in my head. You wouldn't believe the plans I have. I have plans in my head to build a, a helicopter, a personal helicopter. It's all up here, okay? Ask me about it someday. I have plans on how to take down, I, I think about weird things at night. How to des- how to destroy an American aircraft carrier. If, if you're a terrorist, just come talk to me. I got all the plans they are all up here.
1: I don't know why, I mean, it's just
0: nuts. So I, I love, yeah, you're all looking at me like, what? <laughs> did you just say? (laughs) You're like, what? (laughs) Don't talk to me about that. I won't tell you how to do it. (laughs) But I get these ideas. So, you know, but I noticed that it's really hard to get the architect to understand the ideas I have. Oh man, I try to get it in their heads and it's really hard. And so um, I draw things and I do whatever I can to get the ideas across. And uh, so, so, um, I think that's a little bit. God has his plan for everything. And he's invited you to be part of the plan. And a lot of times we don't get it. We're like, uh, you want me to cut a hole like this? You know, like we we just miss. And we don't understand all the time. But if we follow God, we'll get his plan. Uh, it's Right now I'm, I'm planning on a new kitchen for the church. So the old kitchen is really... In rough shape, it's in a bad spot. So we got these plants. So here I want to show you the plans. There they are. So I don't know if most of you that's like that's just a bunch of lines on, on. But you know these are what architects use to to conceptualize. So I took this to Home Depot, and this is what they gave me. A lot of people can go, oh, now I understand what your drawing's about, right? Uh, so hopefully we'll be able to build this next year. We'll learn more about it at our annual meeting. Um, but these are the, the things. God has His plan, but if you don't know what the plan is, you might go like, well, okay, well, we're gonna, I'm, I'm going to donate a, a, a stove to the, the church, and it's going to be for the new, new kitchen. You go out and buy a really nice stove, but it's got a back on the stove, So it goes against the wall. Well, the plan calls for a stove that goes in the island. So you don't need a back on the stove, you know. So this is the kind of thing we need to be in sync with what God is doing. And God has this wonderful plan. And his desire is that we follow his plan. And he has planned for some people to be saved. And he sent you as his ambassador. And if you're going, oh, well, I need to wash my car today. When all along... There are some kids playing across the street that need to know the gospel. Well, what's happening? You're out of sync with God's plan. And so, my prayer for all of us is that we would be in sync with God's plan. And so, I'd like to just ask oh, my goodness, did I really take that much time? I'm sorry. I apologize. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today and we just thank you for your glorious plan in our life. And Lord, I thank you that you invite us to know the mysteries of your will. And so Lord, I pray that all of these things that we've been been talking about would be in us and that we would experience your power and presence. And Lord, we pray that we would get involved in your plan. And so we offer our lives to you um, as a living sacrifice in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's sing.